0: But the essentials for the Christian life, the prayer life. From the very beginning, when God created humanity, he did it for his pleasure to be able to enjoy a relationship with humanity. And uh, uh, the fact is, we know from the scriptures that it's our sin that broke off that ability for us to be able to have fellowship with God. And so God himself came and he did what was necessary. He sacrificed his own life so that he could restore to us that ability to be able to have fellowship with him. He wants us to enjoy a relationship with him, and as we looked at last week, we hear from God. God talks to us through his word, and we talk to God through prayer. And that is why when it comes to hearing from God, which is what we looked at last week, it's, an, it's essential, but it's also essential for us to take time in this relationship to talk to God. And yet as essential as prayer is to the Christian life, there is perhaps no other spiritual discipline that people tend to struggle with more than prayer. Actually taking time faithfully daily to pray. And our modern-day culture has a, a pace that, that keeps us too driven to have time to pray. It has a uh, a, a pull that, that that keeps us going in different directions to where, well, I've heard so many people say it, I just don't have time to pray. And I think that all of us understand that pull that our society puts on on us. There are places to be, there are emails to respond to, there's social media sites to scroll, there's ball games to attend, there's homeworks to do, there's chores to do around the house and there's a thousand other things to keep us from doing the most important thing, and that is taking time to pray. And I'll say this, if anyone understands the incredible importance of prayer, it's Satan, our chief enemy. That might be surprising for you to say, but Samuel Chadwick was very famous has very famously said this, he says the one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from our prayerless studies, prayerless work, and prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, mocks at our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. I love that. Jesus told us in Matthew 26, verse 41, to watch, watch ye and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And Jesus Emphasize us the extreme importance of prayer. And so the fact is, if you want to grow as a believer, you must prioritize spending daily time in communion with God, in prayer to God. And so, in consideration of the primacy of prayer, it behooves us to look at the essential elements of prayer to Help us understand why it's important and how we should go about praying on a daily basis. And so we're going to look at five biblical truths that emphasize the immense importance of your prayer life. And the first one I want you to write down is the privilege, the privilege of prayer, the privilege of prayer. Now I put some verses in your notes. We won't have time to turn to all of them today. But understand this, as I've already mentioned, God created us for the express purpose of enjoying us enjoying the privilege of fellowship with him. Revelation 4.11 says, Thou hast created all things, O God, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Why did God create us? For his pleasure. For us for him to be able to enjoy a relationship with us and more significantly or equally significantly for us to be able to enjoy a relationship with him. Now at the beginning, the Bible tells us that Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden in the cool of the day. What a beautiful picture that is of that communion that God created us to enjoy. We know the moment they sinned, when God came to take his daily walk with them, where were they? Hidden. Hidden. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. And that's what sin does. It drives us from our created purpose, which is communion with God, intimacy with God. That's what sin does. And I dare say, if there is something keeping you from prayer, whatever it is, it's sinful. Sin always drives us from God, keeps us from prayer. Now, it may not in itself be inherently, inherently sinful, it may be doing chores. It may be taking care of the business of the day, which those things aren't wrong of themselves, but they become wrong when we elevate their importance over God. And that's what the Bible teaches us. And so we severed our fellowship with God through sin. But Jesus came, as we know, to build a bridge between that chasm that separated God from us. And the Bible says in First Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man. And that is the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all to be testified of in due time. And so now that that chasm has been breached, a bridge has been built that separated us from God across that chasm of sin. now the Bible tells us that God has given us free and full access to himself through prayer. And I believe this verse is in your notes. Hebrews 4 and verse 16 tells us as believers, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Listen, you do not have to wonder when you come to God, if you are a believer, that he is listening. He is listening and he's not listening because of how good you've been doing today. He's been listening only ever because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That's what gives you access to God. And what a privilege it is to be able to come before the King of Kings every day in prayer. The story is told about a, an old Persian king who wanted to, uh, wanted to get to know the subjects that he reigned over. And so he would often go out and he would spend time with citizens dressed as an ordinary fellow... Um, and he would sit with them, eat what they ate, spend time with their family. And then at some point in the conversation reveal, I'm your King. And inevitably what would happen most of the time when he'd do that is they would begin to ask him for something because he was the King. One time he did this with an older man. He went and sat with him, shared a meal with him and all the, all the things transpired the same. And then he revealed before I go, I want to let you know, I am your King. And to his surprise, the man didn't ask for anything. The man said, I think that you have already given me the greatest thing that you could ever give me. You spent time with me as my king. I think that's a significant maturity from that man, but it also teaches us something significant about the privilege of prayer, that the king of kings, the creator of the universe, wants to spend time with you every day. You really get a hold of that and it'll minister to your heart. We see the privilege of prayer. The second truth we see is the precedent of prayer. The precedent of prayer. Now The Bible gives a clear precedent for us when it comes to prayer. In other words, God makes clear that we should pray. 1 Thessalonians 5:17, one of the shortest verses in the Bible, it says, pray without ceasing. It's a command. God has told us that we should pray. And among all the precedents of prayer in the Scripture, I believe that Jesus' example is the best one for us in the Bible. We're going to turn to several places here this, this morning. Let's go to Matthew chapter number 14. Matthew chapter number 14 in your Bible. And in Matthew chapter 14... And verse number 23, this is what the Bible says about Jesus' prayer life. Matthew 14 and verse 23. It says, And when he had sent the multitude away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. We see Jesus praying. I'm going to give you several references here. The next one is one book over in the Gospel of Mark. Mark. Chapter number one, turn over to Mark chapter number one, and let's look at Mark one and verse number 35, Mark one and verse 35, the Bible says, and in the morning rising up a great while before the day, he went out as Jesus and departed into a solitary place. And there he prayed again, Jesus praying. Let's go to Mark chapter six. Mark chapter 6 and verse number 46. Mark 6 and verse number 46. The Bible says, and when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And one final place, one more book over, Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. We'll look at Luke chapter 5 and verse 16 verse 16. Luke five sixteen says, and he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. Now, I almost wrote down all 17 references. I thought it might be overkill, but there are 17 references to the personal prayer life of Jesus Christ in the New Testament. And so impactful was the Prayer life that Jesus had, that it compelled his disciples actually to ask him in Luke chapter 11 and verse 1. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. They watched how Jesus prayed, they watched the power he prayed with, the intimacy that he prayed to God, the, the intimacy that he shared with God, and it compelled them to say, Jesus, will you teach us how to pray like that? See, he set a precedent for us for how in that We should pray. And so Jesus not only taught us that we should pray, but that prayer should be a daily habit in our lives. Yes, it's important that we pray, but he also demonstrated to us the fact that we should pray by doing it continually every single day that he walked on this earth. One author referred to this as a daily rhythm of prayer. And I like that definition, a daily rhythm of prayer. You see, though Jesus had many times of spontaneous prayer, we also see that in his example, by his example, there were routine times set apart for intentional prayer as well. Oftentimes, his prayer time was in the morning and at night. Those, those were the times when we see Jesus most praying in the examples of Scripture. And I think this is really interesting, and I don't have a lot of time to park here. We you know, all throughout Christian history, and even before the New Testament, Believers took regular times, routine times to pray. What about Daniel? Three times a day, morning, evening, and night. That was actually from a Jewish tradition, a call to prayer. If you go over to Middle Eastern countries today, they still have this call to prayer. Now, the Muslims have taken it and abused it and made it into into their own thing. But it's still a very uh, uh, Jewish thing to have those regular seasons of prayer where you pause everything and take some time to talk to God. Now, I'm not saying that we should necessarily bring that tradition back, but the truth of the matter is all of us should have a prayer rhythm in our life. Yes, spontaneous prayer is important, but scheduled prayer is also important. And Jesus taught us both. Uh, We ought to always be in a state of prayer, but I believe that every Christian ought to have a time every day that you set aside or perhaps times... Every day that you set aside, where you say, I'm going to pray. I'm going to talk to God. I have learned throughout the years, I like to take the mornings for my personal time with God, for worship and to pray for my family. I'll come back in the afternoon and take some time to pray for my church family and to pray for some other needs that I might not have time to pray for in the morning. Now, I've developed something that works for me and God. But the truth is, you need to have a prayer rhythm in your life as well. And Jesus taught us the importance of having a precedent of prayer. And uh, I, I, I love that. You know, if if I want to talk to somebody and they're important to me, with the schedule that I, that I keep now, most of the time, if they say, I really need to talk to you, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say, let's schedule a time right now. <laughs> because if I don't do that, we're probably not getting together. Because uh, there's just not a whole lot of opportunity for spontaneous appointments for me anymore so i'm gonna schedule it if they're important to me we're gonna make sure we set a time and we're gonna to get together you ought to have a daily appointment with god that's my point if he's important enough to you you ought to have a daily appointment with god the psalmist said in psalm chapter number 55 and verse 17 evening and morning and at noon will i pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice evening morning noon Scheduled times, regular times, a routine, a prayer rhythm, a precedent of prayer. Now, here's the third truth I want you to write down, and that is the progression, the progression of prayer. Now, Matthew chapter 7, it's in your notes, or you can turn there in your Bible. But in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus taught us about this progression of prayer. And in Matthew 7 and verse 7, Jesus said, ask and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be open unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and, to, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. So there are essentially three uh, uh, principles that show us the progression of prayer there ask, seek, and knock. And I know we taught on this passage of scripture earlier this year, and I love digging into that There's so much more here than what i'm going to talk to you about now But I want to focus in on one particular treasure from this truth. Jesus taught us about prayer And the treasure is this prayer begins with a request and ends in a relationship I'll say it again prayer begins with a request and ends in a relationship now I'm going to read to you something I received from reading a book this past week on prayer in preparation for this study. And it was so good. It's a book by Tyler uh, Stanton. It's called Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools. (laughs) Weird title. Great book. And here's what he said. Listen to this. He says, when we are born, our first words are unintelligible cries of pain and need. Babies weep and wail before they learn coherent speech before they learn relational trust in the mother and father who brought them into this world. Likewise, prayer is primal language, instinctively emerging from us in the face of pain and suffering. Need first drives us to our knees, but relationship keeps us there. Need first drives us to our knees, but relationship keeps us there. A lot of times I've had people say, well, I don't like, I don't like to pray too much. I don't like to ask God too much. But the truth is, that's where prayer begins. See, a child learns to have a deep and meaningful relationship with a parent, but that relationship is solely based on their cries for need when they're immature. It's as they grow that they learn to need less things from mom and dad, but still want to have that communion with them. That's why they always say, why, why, why? Exactly, exactly. Going to more. Yeah. And as they grow, they begin to ask those kinds of questions and the needs um, reduce, but the relationship grows. And that's what's supposed to happen to us with, with our relationship with God. We come with needs, but as we come more and more and more with those needs, the more God meets those needs and the deeper our relationship becomes. And so the point I want to make with that thing is when it comes to the progression of prayer, it starts very elementary. And sometimes when you begin praying, you wonder, am I doing it right? You're coming to God with your needs. But as you grow in your relationship with the Lord, it comes less about the needs. and More about, I just want to spend time with God. And it's a beautiful thing. Right? There are many times when I'll go to pray. Not because I have any burdens or anything driving me to pray. But just because I want to spend time with God. I want to spend time with God. And that's what, that's, that's what growth in prayer looks like. The progression of prayer. Now, here's the fourth truth, and we'll only mention this because uh, we've taken time this year to already study this. But I want us to look at the pattern of prayer, the pattern of prayer. Now, in Matthew chapter six, Jesus gives us a pattern for how to structure our prayers. And I believe he did this because as Romans chapter eight, verse 26 says, we know not what to pray for as we ought to. Sometimes the words just don't come. And when it comes to talking to God, some of us really struggle with how. So Jesus gave us a model prayer. It's important to understand that Jesus didn't give us this model prayer so that we would vainly and thoughtlessly repeat these words verbatim. Right? Jesus did not say, pray these words. He said, pray this way. It's a pattern for prayer. It's not just supposed to be something we repeat without thinking about it. Wearsby told us, to use this prayer as a pattern, not as a substitute for prayer. And I like that. So understand that. We know it. I'm sure you've memorized it when you were young. The Lord's Prayer. Let's recite it together in Matthew chapter 6. I think it's in your notes, uh, verses 9 through 13. It says, uh, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So this is the model prayer that Jesus has given us. And I just want to hit the four main aspects of this for sake of time. I will say this. We preached. It took it took two Sundays for us to get through uh, the model prayer. When we studied through it in our study of the gospel of Matthew and on our website and podcast, you can go back and listen to extensive teaching on this Lord's prayer and what everything that goes into what the Lord was teaching us here. Um, But there are uh, essentially four aspects of prayer that Jesus teaches us about in this model prayer. The first one, if you want to write it down, is he taught us the way to approach God. The way to approach God. He said, our father, we're to approach God with recognition of who he is, who art in heaven, we're to approach God with respect for who he is. Hallowed be thy name. We're to approach God with reverence of who he is. The point is, when you come to God in prayer is not about you first. It's about God first. Right? So he shows us the way to approach God. The second thing here is he shows us the way the way to adjust to God the way to adjust to God. Verse number 10 of Matthew 6 there, he said to pray, thy kingdom come. We're to adjust or we're to surrender the dominion to God. It's not about building our kingdom. It's about building his kingdom. Thy kingdom come. The next one, thy will be done. You're to surrender your desires to God. God, is not what I want. And with everything I'm about to ask you, if whatever you want is not the same as what I want, that I want what you want because I know what you want is best. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There you're surrendering your direction. You're not trying to get your will done in heaven, but you're trying to understand and let God's will be done on earth. You're surrendering your direction to God. So he shows us the way to uh, approach God, the way to adjust to God. The, th- the third thing he shows us is the way to appeal to God. This would be your intercession. This would be your supplication to the Lord. He said to pray, give us this day our daily bread um, and forgive us our debts um, and uh, so on and so forth. And so he tells he tells us there that we're to appeal for our deficiencies. We need daily bread. We need daily spiritual sustenance from the Lord. We're to appeal for our debts. Every time you come to God in prayer, you ought to take some time to search your own heart for sin and make sure your heart is right and in tune with the Lord. And then we're to appeal to God for deliverance as well. Deliver us from evil. Um, He told us to pray. We need daily to take some time for spiritual warfare and uh, to make sure that our hearts are guarded from the evil one. So he shows us the way to appeal to God. And then the last thing he shows us in this prayer is the way to adore God. That's the last one you can write down there. The way to adore God. So just to review, the first, the first one is the way to approach God. The second one is the way to adjust to God. The third one is the way to appeal to God. And the last one is the way to adore God. He said, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. We're to adore God's exalted status, his exalted status. And he said, yours is the glory forever. We acknowledge his eternal status and then amen. We acknowledge his established status. When we say amen. That's that means so be it. It is so. And it's an important aspect of prayer. And uh, so Jesus gave us this pattern for prayer. And by the way, I love to you I love to think about the Lord's prayer as I pray, especially in my morning prayer. Because I don't just pray that prayer But I do let it structure how I pray and how I talk to the Lord, because that's what Jesus taught us to do. And it has deepened my prayer life immensely, allowing that prayer to be a guide for how I am supposed to talk to God. And so that's the pattern for prayer. Now, the last truth I want us to see, and we only have one minute to do it, is the power of prayer. And uh, this is perhaps one of the most well-known aspects of prayer. And I thank the Lord for that. The power of prayer. If you've done any praying, you know there's power in prayer. And chief among the reasons behind prayer being so essential to the Christian life is the fact that prayer is our connection to the power we need to live the Christian life. No prayer, no power. It's what a preacher from yesteryear used to say. You don't pray, you are cutting off your access to the very power that you need to be able to live the Christian life. You can't have spiritual strength and and physical power. You cannot do what God wants you to do on any given day if you're trying to do it without God. And what prayer is, is a declaration of dependence upon God. It's a statement. When you humble your heart before an almighty God and you talk to him and you ask him for help, you're admitting you are not enough. You need God. And when you pray, you tap in to the power of God for your life today. That's why prayer is so important. And look at James chapter 5 and verse 17 in your notes. It says, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now That phrase, availeth much, it essentially means that it has great power. When a person passionately and desperately prays to God, that's powerful. That's what the Bible is indicating to us here. And why is prayer so powerful? Because when we pray in Jesus' name, we carry Jesus' authority from heaven back to this earth. That's why Jesus said in John 14, verse 14, If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. (laughs) I'll do it. See, When we come before God in prayer and we ask God to work in a situation, we're bringing his authority into a situation. that's why prayer has power. Now, sometimes prayer has power to change your circumstances, but at all times prayer has power to change you. Sometimes God doesn't answer your prayer the way you asked, but what he does is he changes you and your perspective. But prayer always has power to transform. Prayer has the ability to give you a peace that passes understanding. You can come bring a burden to God and leave at peace even though your situation hasn't changed. Why? Because prayer has power. It taps you into a source uh, unlike any other in the universe. And that is Almighty God Himself. And really, when you consider the power of prayer, and I guarantee you we could go around this room and share stories of how God's answered prayers in our lives. And we've seen the power of prayer. When you consider the power that prayer has... Why wouldn't you pray? (laughs) And yet we still struggle with praying, don't we? We know, many of us know a lot of what we've talked about here today. And yet it's so easy to allow life to get in the way of one of the most essential things for our Christian life, and that is prayer. So if you drop the ball in some way, perhaps this study will be a good reminder Perhaps you can join in with what the disciples prayed to Jesus in Luke 11.1 1, when they said, Lord, teach us to pray.